You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Welcome into Socks in the Basement. My name is Chris. His name is Ed Billy. And up to the 9-foot home eight oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans, ahead for you. And remember, it is all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Ed, they have a brand new website with a brand new web address, familydry.com. They feel that will be easier for you to remember. And hey, whatever works, man. Listen, go to familydry.com if you have Boeing Walls. Crawl space encapsulation, concrete raising, familydry.com for foundation crack repair, drain tile systems, yard drainage solutions. Hey, you need gutter service done? Familydry.com, exterior wall ceiling, sump pump solutions, window wells and covers, family waterproofing solutions has you covered. Check them out today. And remember, if you mention Socks in the Basement, they will charge you less. 708-330-4466 or visit familydry.com. I know. I, I just want to make sure I bury it into people's brains because we've had a little bit of a switch up there. It's a really nice little site that they have set up. and Hey, same great service, you know? Yeah, we're really proud to have them around. So James Fox is on the show today. We're going to talk to him. He wrote a very interesting article on Yasmani Grandal. And also I want to talk to him about what we think the White Sox are going to do here down the stretch as we get closer and closer to the midpoint in the season. The All-Star ballots are out, so we're going to go over that at some point today. You wrote a great article that will, will lead us into our guest on Wednesday. Because if you listen to the last show, and really it was only the first 10, 12 minutes of the 30-minute yeah, show. it wasn't much. No, but I reacted to a slight. The fact that the, the flagship station of the Chicago White Sox, their afternoon drive show, is prioritizing the North Side team over the South Side team. And I, I think that's more than perception. I think that that's a real thing. And, uh, you know, the, the one of the hosts... He just can't stay off of Twitter. He argued with literally every person that retweeted the episode or talked about the episode for a couple of days. Then he put out some sort of response. It was like a minute of, I, I've been misunderstood. And then that led into two and a half hours of Cubs talk on the flagship station right, that- <laughs> of the Chicago White Sox, which really proves the point. <sighs> After I pointed that out, and we didn't engage him on Twitter until he actually tagged us saying there was some sort of response, which... I don't know if that was really a response. He reached out and asked if he could come on the show. So he will be on on Wednesday. Look forward to that. Absolutely. You know what? First of all, it takes real stones to come on a podcast, right? You know, I mean, it does because it's not live. You could edit him out, you know, and and make him look bad. Right. I could rearrange his words to make it sound like he stole the Lindbergh baby or he is the Lindbergh baby. And he stole himself. My God, the mystery's been solved. Exactly. I can make him say anything. So trust me, it takes stones to come on. And when he said he wanted to come on, I was like, sounds like a good idea. And now that we've planted that idea in people's heads, you need to understand we do not actually do that to people. Nobody would ever do this show again if we did that. But I just, when he said it, I was like, wow, wow, he's trusting. Maybe I'm a distrustful person, right? Like I was like, man, I would never do that. Like I wouldn't even have brought us up. Right? Like, I wouldn't have brought us up on the flagship station. I mean, I appreciate it. We've got a ton more followers. Numbers bumped up a little bit. 
I mean, it was yeah, it yeah. was nice and to those of you who are coming to us for the first time because of this. <laughs> right. Like I would have just ignored us. I would have ignored two fans sitting at a bar, you know, who are just angry about something. Hell, I'm on the show and I ignore us half the time. <laughs> you know, you know who couldn't be ignored? Did you see this thing the other night on Thursday night? Uh, the the umpire behind the plate throws Lucas Giolito out of the game. Did you see this? Yeah. That guy is soft yes. as my pillow. I mean, it's like, like, what is that? It's supposedly the story is that Mancata, and this is this was rated. Remember, we had that guy from Umpire Scorecards on a couple of weeks ago. And, and, you know, where they look at, like, the worst calls of the umpire and they try to figure out was the umpire too much on one side or the other. And, and his actual scorecard showed he was pretty evenly bad for everybody, but really, really bad in that game, the umpire behind the plate. And... Mankata gets called out on a ball that is clearly out of the zone. It's like a foot below the zone. And right. Lucas right. Giolito Giolito starts harassing the ump. And the story goes that the ump said, go take a look at it. So Giolito, I love it. I love this team. I love this team's personality. I love Lucas Giolito for this. Runs down into the tunnel and watches the replay. So as Hendricks is finishing warming up in the ninth with a three-run lead, where of course he went in and just was dominant again because yeah, just absolutely blew him away. It was beautiful. Yeah. He should be on the All-Star team if they take any relief pitchers because sometimes it gets weird how these guys take pitchers. He should be on the All-Star team, but he comes out and then supposedly says, "I saw it, and you're wrong." And the guy gets angry <laughs> and throws a starting pitcher who's never going to come into the game out of the game. And and then what ensues, I thought it was kind of fun. Some people, like the, the Tony haters immediately was like, LaRusso needs to go out there and scream his head off and get thrown out of the game. Nah, no, he doesn't. No, why? He walked out there and you could see him just basically look at the guy like, what the hell are you, what are you doing? Like he's laughing at him. And I did see him right after yeah. the inning was over, go find the crew chief because he ran up the line to go find the crew chief and did like the finger thing where he, like when I call over my kids, like, come here, you know, yeah, get, get, over, get here. over here. We're going to have a here. conversation about what the hell just happened before this half inning started. And I'm totally fine with that. But I mean, that, that was an incredibly crazy exchange. Uh, and yet, and, and another really interesting moment here in this season. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, there's good stories to be had for the white Sox. No, there aren't. No, there aren't. There'll be no, no good stories no. for the white Sox until October. That's what I was told. Nothing, for example, about, like, say, how um, valuable Yasmani Grandal is to the team or something like that. Yeah, well, James Fox is going to talk about that here in just a little bit. Uh, Adam Engel, I don't know why he wasn't brought up this weekend. I don't get that. Because you get Andrew Vaughn, who gets put on the COVID-19 list. And, and i got to be honest with you. I think that as terrible as this all was, this pandemic... Now that you have uh, vaccines out there, now that you have so many people getting vaccinated, now that you have everything opening up now citywide, statewide on the 11th of June, and you're going to have full capacity back at the ballpark, and hopefully Jerry Reinstorf gets some money in his pocket now and is willing to give Rick Hahn more than probably what Rick Hahn had up to this point because he knows he's going to make bank now and he's going to get people back in the stands and he's going to get it at a full price. Like I've already heard that certain things that have been closed in the stadium everything's reopening. But I feel like as we get to this point, we're probably about a couple months away from getting towards playoff baseball and a manager complaining. So what if he's asymptomatic COVID-19? Everybody's been vaccinated. How can you take my guy out of the lineup for game three? Like, I, I think we're going to get to that point. 
Do you think we'll get to that point as this tampers down where it'll be like, why do I have to lose my player when he's asymptomatic and everybody's vaccinated? That's going to be a thing that's going to come up, don't you think? I I imagine they will find a way as we get towards the playoffs to excuse the idea of testing. That they will they will somehow say or they will say that if a player is vaccinated because they have records, we know who's vaccinated and who's not. We're not going to reveal who is or who isn't and why they didn't get it if they didn't get it. But I think what they'll do is they'll say those vaccinated players are going to not be tested. And so even if they've had a close contact or anything like that, we're not going to bother with that. The only players we're going to test are the players who are not vaccinated for whatever reason. And they'll just rely on the science to sit there and say, okay, that this is, this is, we don't need to do this anymore. And it'll be just for the playoffs because you're right. What you'll have is you'll have a team and let's say it's the Sox and it's Lance Lynn's turn in the rotation. And we really need him in the, in the series. We really need his start. And he goes on the COVID thing. Well, we know that that would be, you know, a tremendous loss for the White Sox. But the reason why they'll actually do it is so that Garrett Cole doesn't get bumped from a start or so that, uh, you know, Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton are still in the lineup for the Yankees because that's what Major League Baseball is really going to care about. But I think it's going to benefit all the all the playoff teams. And I, and I think they'll just wait until the playoffs and say, and that's where we're going to announce that we're going to run this out because it's also a smaller group of teams and, and there's less exposure because it's not all 32 interacting with each other. Now, Vaughn gets taken out for, uh, you know, a couple days and the, well, they well, they get it all sorted out. And they bring up Gavin Sheets. And I'm surprised by that. Because Adam Engel threw six games and 26 at-bats. The line is 292 with a 308 on base percentage, slugging 500 with an 808 OPS. I'm curious what they are waiting for from him before they say, yeah, he can come up and contribute. Because right there, that's better than your entirety of your outfield. Well, and also, it's I think it's better than what Gavin Sheets is putting up too. Right, uh, and that's and what's I, weird. I about don't it. have his stats handy in front of me, but but I I wonder too if this is also a little bit of what do we do when Engel comes up because somebody is going away and potentially permanently, and we had long I think thought it was going to be Billy Hamilton or Jake Lamb because those were the twenty fifth and twenty sixth guys on the team. They were sort of add ons because of the injury, but Hamilton's proved to be more valuable. Lamb has started to be a guy that you bring in against the tough righties, and Gavin Sheets would profile to be that guy too as a left-handed batter. So I'm wondering if this is an opportunity for them to maybe throw Sheets in for a couple of at-bats, see if he translates into the majors, and see if it's something where maybe this does spell the end for Jake Lamb at some point when you start getting these other guys back. Or what I think is probably more likely is they're just letting Engel really test the leg out and uh, they're just going to wait before they throw him in. Cause they know once he gets up here, he is playing every day and it's full speed ahead. And maybe that's what it is because you know, with this, this hamstring injury that he had, they, they never repaired it. Like I was trying to read something on it. It sounds like it's like, well, this tendon here, he doesn't need it. Like it was, it was really <laughs> right. weird when I read it. Like just, it just kind of rolled up in that his, part of your leg. Yeah, it just kind of rolled up in his leg and he should be fine. And I'm like, really? So maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's like, hey, we got to make sure. Because when he's up here, he's up here every day. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe they sat there and they told themselves, we have a hard you know, period of time in which that needs to pass where we feel comfortable because once he gets here, we don't want to have any time where we feel like we have to sit him down or give him a break. And, and you know what? Hamilton's not going anywhere. And neither is Lamb. This is going to be Mendick 
I think it's Mendick going down anyway. Yeah, at this point. It's, it's Garcia DFA'd or Mendick getting sent down. And I think it's Mendick getting sent down because he has the option. Jake Lamb is hitting 265 right now. I mean, like, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. I really, as I say it, I go, this is impossible. He's hitting 265 and he's getting on base at a 400 clip. 531 slugging, which adds up to an OPS of 931 so far in this season. He's got a 161 OPS plus. Now, Tony is doing everything right with him. He only goes in there against pitchers that suck against left-handed bats. And he's destroying them. And when right. you, you have when you have a team that has a really hard time against right-handed pitching, and you're able to send a left-handed bat up there in certain situations to do what he's doing, all credit to Tony La Russa for putting him in there in the right positions. You, you can't argue with that. All credit to Tony La Russa for putting him in there in the right positions. I don't want to see Jake Lamb go anymore. Defensively, he's pretty bad. Like, he's really, really bad. But for the way he's hitting and for what he's being used for, he makes sense. And with Hamilton's speed, he makes sense. So I think these two guys stay on the team. And, and when Angle comes up, like you said, he's in there 100%. Danny Mendick's heading down. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. Joining us on the phone line right now, good friend of the show, been on an awful lot, and he uh, does double duty, triple duty, quadruple duty. I mean, he's like a coach, he's a teacher, he uh, writes for Southside Sox and also Future Sox, James Fox on the line. How are you, James? Hey, Chris, what's up, man? Thanks for joining me. I, I appreciate it. I got a bunch of questions for you as we now head into June, or we're in June, we're going to get to July, and we're going to have a trade deadline, and uh, this team has needs, and we've been yelling for the last couple of weeks that I, why wait if there's something there, go. Maybe there isn't something there. We'll get into that in a moment. But uh, the first thing I want to get into is this article you wrote for Southside Sox about Yasmani Grandal. And uh, another guy that we have on the show all the time, Jordan Lazowski, he, he's constantly talking about Yasmani Grandal being a good player and arguing with those who will say he's terrible, look at his average. And then you put an article out, and I think Jordan probably got a warm and fuzzy feeling because here's another guy who's pointing out the value of a Yasmani Grandal. What, why did you feel you had to put out this one? Um, no, I mean, mostly just like my Twitter mentions from people that said that, like, he sucks. And, look, if here's, like, him sucking and, like, you not liking, you not, like, wanting to watch him play baseball are completely different topics, right? You could say, like, man, like, I hate watching this guy because you hate three true outcome type, you know, you, know, you hate that style of baseball. And I can't really argue with you. I don't mind it, but if that's your opinion, then that's cool. But don't tell me that he sucks because of, like, his batting average because your little league coach told you a long time ago that, you know, your batting average is the only thing that matters. Like, baseball is a little bit different now. 
you know, I made sure I put something in the article um, about that Sidge Mechdel is the guy who, like, a lot of people credit with some of the Astros' resurgence, and he's the second command in Baltimore right now. And he kind of explained, like, batting average, it, it's just flawed. Like, it's, you know, it's part of something that you should look at, but they treat, like, batting average treats all hits the same, and they and there's no value in walking, and it's just not true. Like, do we all want Yasmani Grandal to hit better? Sure. Like, and I, I want him to slug more. Like, get his OPS into the eights. But, I mean, he he's underachieved. And he's got a 120 WRC plus. Like I put, you know, kind of like a synopsis on what that stat means. I mean, it's basically just you use 100 as the barometer, and anything over that, like, is an above average player, and it's all encompassing. Like it takes into into account the teams you play, the ballparks that you play in, um, all sorts of that, and it compares guys like across eras, right? So, like I think it said in there, if a guy has the exact same numbers playing his home games in Colorado as he would like at the Coliseum in Oakland. Well, then the guy in Oakland, like basically is more valuable because it's a worse offensive environment. So, you know, I think is as of what like, Grandel Homer last night, as we're talking, and I think he's got a 380 on base percentage. I don't care about batting average um, at all. He's been, he's been pretty productive. He's been pretty much what they paid for. I agree with the masses. He needs to, he needs to hit for more power because that'll improve like the profile quite a bit, but I don't care what his batting average is and the White Sox don't either. So you should not. Yeah. This WRC plus thing might be a little confusing to people, but just, just so I get it, 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 it is essentially taking into account everything. Uh, it's a t- taking into account where the ball is going, how often you're getting on base and also uh, how, how it's like out prevention, right? It's like basically like no matter where you're playing at, you you don't make as many outs as other guys. And and you put an interesting stat in here, 37 games and 144 plate appearances at the time that you wrote the article. And Yasmani Grandal, 20% better than the league average offensively. Not not just catchers, but the league average across all all positions and catchers generally are not very good offensively if you look across the league. So that that's a big stat. Yeah, so this year it's actually a little bit like this year. I think he's tenth um, among catchers, but like some catchers are having wild years. When I looked at like I didn't know Buster Posey has been awesome, you know, and there's like a few other guys that have been really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, so basically, you know, if you do 120 weighted runs created plus, you're 20 percent better than the average player because average weighted runs created plus um, is like 100. Your league average like. If it's 100. Now, if you want to use split, like even go a little further, it's, it's a limited sample size. It's not that many at bats, but he's been trending this way the past three or four years. So 177 weighted runs created plus against left-handed pitching. And oftentimes, like, he's sitting against lefties. Like, he needs to play against lefties no matter what. And, like, they need to find a way, you know, whether that's sitting Mercedes or whoever. But, like, he, he's got to play against left-handed pitching because he's – He's destroyed lefties. Yeah, we've been we've been yelling about that. I think for about a month here on this show. Let's let's shift from Grandal and let's talk more about the future here for the White Sox, especially over the next month or so. Do you perceive? And and I really hope that it becomes more possible with the fact they're going to be putting fans back into the stands. Uh, Brooks Boyer talking about uh, he basically confirmed something we've been talking about here on the show. We were getting from sources that there was a reason why they were only selling tickets through the sixteenth single game tickets because they were hoping when they got back from that next road trip, they'd be at a hundred percent. And now it looks like that's what's happening. 
And so now you have more money that potentially is coming into the team. The businessman that sits there as the chairman of the board who thinks about the dollar probably more than he thinks about anything else when it comes to this team because he's a businessman now may be more apt to take on more salary. Do you perceive them making a move? When do you think it would be and, and who would you like to see them go out and get? Yeah, so I mean, I think they'd make one as soon as they can. I mean, you know, people were screaming for a move in May, and I think both of us even said like that. That's not going to happen. I wanted it, but I didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah, because it's just like it's tough to deal at that time, right? And I think there's going to be more. Look, I think there's going to be a lot of sellers because I mean, with five playoff teams in each league, like there's some teams that are going to have decisions to make. I do. I still think it's like a left-handed outfielder of some type, right? I mean. Like, I think you love somebody that can play center, but I do think Louise Roberts is going to be back. So, like, you know, like, trading for a center fielder doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. I think if you want to go to the phone, it should be somebody with, like, another year who could possibly be your right field answer next year, potentially. And then I, I think they might need a setup guy. Like, they, they're probably going to need a really good relief. Um, Marshall looked pretty good last night. Bummer looked better. But, I mean, I think they would all feel more comfortable with, like, one more lockdown reliever to get you to Hendricks. And I know we probably didn't think that at the beginning of the year. Like, I went on all these shows and said that I thought it was the best bullpen in the American League. But, you know, bullpens are weird. So, yeah, I I just think – I think they're going to be active because I think they have a lot of prospects that are kind of blocked and on the 40-man. I mean, you got a guy like Mike Rodolfo who, look, he can't headline a package for somebody really good. But that dude's got seven homers in double A right now, and he's out of options in April or whatever. So like, he'll either be on the 2022 White Sox, which he probably won't be, or he'll be on another team. So you got a whole bunch of guys like that that you could spin off for relief help or whatever else. And like you said, like I think they're going to have 100% capacity. So Jerry, I, I still feel like for all of Jerry Reinsdorf's shortcomings, he didn't hire Tony to not make moves at the deadline. I think they'll kind of get Tony what he needs. Hey gang, ever wonder what it's like to be a small business owner? It's confusing. Weird expenses coming out of nowhere. And when you throw in health insurance, forget it. Nobody understands how that works. If you own a business, big or small, it's one of the biggest expenses you have all year long. And yet we all wait until open enrollment at the end of the year. And then we think to ourselves next year, next year, I'll get a jump on it. And then it's another year of paying way too much. If you're a business owner, big or small, HR representative that wants to impress the boss, give Butch Zemar of Elite Benefits of America a call. Save yourself or your boss thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars a year. Reach out to Butch right now, 708-535-3006. Or shoot him an email, butch at elitebenefits.net. And be sure to check out the Zemar podcast, don't wait till the last minute. Put Butch Zemar to work for you now. Are you concerned about the use of Garrett Crochet? I mean, I know that uh, they're they're nervous about certain pitchers and overusing them, but I, I seem to have picked up from some of your tweets. <laughs> James was telling me before he came on, a lot of people think he's very, uh, very uh, level-headed when he comes on the podcast like Socks in the Basement, but they, they think he mean tweets. So you've been a little angry about the use of Garrett Crochet. Take us through this. Well, so I just think the whole thing is like, a, like somebody's lying. So like when they drafted Garrett Crochet, they said that they had, that they think he's a starter. And, you know, if he's a starter, he's more valuable than as a reliever. And what they did with him last year made sense, I think, because there's no baseball. And you got this 100-mile-an-hour fireballer coming out of the bullpen, and it was great. And then this year, they kind of said, like, yeah, we still think he's a starter, but he's going to pitch out of the bullpen this year. And I was skeptical of that even, because 
look, my mentions fill up with like, oh, they did it with Chris Sale. Like Chris Sale had a full innings loan three years at Florida Gulf Coast University. Like Garrett Crochet never pitched at Tennessee. He was going to be their number one starter, and then they didn't have a season, and then he didn't pitch that much. So, man, if you think he's ever going to start, I just don't know how that's possible if he's throwing 60 innings tops in the big leagues in 2021. Now, you know, does that mean, like, I don't know. I've suggested that they should, like, send him down and stretch him out. Like, maybe that's crazy because you're trying to win, but, like, they don't use him anyway. So, like, we were talking about trade possibilities, right? Like, if you can get a long-term answer in right field, that hits left-handed and all it costs you is Garrett Crochet, like I'm all ears because I have doubts that that guy can start and it's nothing to do with him. Like I have doubts that he can start if the White Sox are going to continue to use him the way that they're using him. And if you use the 11th overall pick on an eighth inning guy, like I think that's a poor use of resources. And obviously people are like, welcome to disagree. I just like, yeah, I think it's weird. I think the usage patterns are weird. They're babying him, maybe rightfully so, but yeah, like somebody, somebody's lying. If they think he's a starter long term, this isn't the way to handle it. Before I let you go, James Fox of Future Sox and Southside Sox, um, I, I want to kind of go back to the whole idea of going out and trying to identify the right guy in a trade to bring onto this team. I remember a few years ago, you and I both having a conversation on this show where we kind of expressed skepticism in the pro scouting. But then we've also talked on this show that whatever this title is, whatever this role is that Nick Hostetler's in, in the front office, he seems to have a hand now, at least overseeing some of the things going on with pro scouting. And you can look to a lot of players that he has identified that are a part of this team right now or going to be on this team very soon. So, so far, I'm starting to become like a believer that this guy's the best kept secret on the White Sox. Like there's a reason you don't hear him talk very often because they don't want anybody snagging him up and go, him going to another organization. Do you feel more confident with a guy like him maybe also taking a look at pro players that like maybe they'll actually find the right guy when they do make a move and not get burned? Yeah, so I like the shift too. Like they have like biomechanics, got their biomechanics guy that they hired that has since departed and taken another gig. But like they revamped their, their pro scouting department. And Nick Hostetler doing that, I think is a positive thing also because it puts Mike Shirley in charge on the amateur side and not that, that Nick Hosteller wasn't equipped to do things the way that they're doing them now, but Mike Shirley is a good guy to have in charge of amateur scouting. If you're going to kind of change up your philosophy and snag a bunch of high school type players, which it seems like that they're in for a dramatic shift, like adding prep talent. But yes, like I, I, I like having Nick Hostetler on the pro side. If you haven't noticed, they have six first-round picks on their big league roster right now. Gavin Sheets is there tonight. He's a second-rounder. So, like, you know, like he was criticized quite a bit for Zach Collins. And, you know, the Zach Birdie uh, pick isn't, isn't looking great. And then you got Berger. But, I mean, you have as many draft picks on your roster as you do. I mean, the scouting department's doing something right. So, yeah, I, I think some of the changes they've made – are positive. I also think, you know, you didn't ask about Chris Getz, but I mean, Chris Getz is in charge of the minor leagues, like some of the stuff he's like, I'm, I'm happy with where the organization is and we're going to see this transition phase because they're going to have to find a way to like come up with players still. Like, I think they're going to have a lot of spots locked down, like on the big league club, but they're still going to have to develop players for trades and for depth and whatnot. And I, I feel the best about their pro scouting department that I've felt in a while. James Fox, 
Thanks so much for jumping on the line with us, joining Sox in the basement and uh, talking talking White Sox with us as we do, uh, because somebody has to. <laughs> All right, Chris. Thanks for having me. All right, we're getting out of here. Hashtag extend Lance Lynn for crying out loud. Please, for the now, love of God, extend Lance Lynn. And don't forget, we've got a guest coming on from an afternoon show on the ESPN uh, flagship station coming up here on on Wednesday, and he's going to come on and hopefully, hopefully he can get through a couple of minutes on a Sox podcast without talking about the Cubs. We will see you on Wednesday right here on Sox in the Basement Found Everywhere podcast. Let him talk about the Cubs. We'll give him two minutes about the Cubs. No! Wherever podcasts can be found, and always at Socks in the Basement. 90 seconds of Cubs. No! He can say the name Chris Bryant. Only if it's in trade speculation. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found, and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.